Hi, everyone. My name is Rithik, and welcome to the first ever Lifetime Value podcast. I'm extremely excited to have our first guest, Carlos Arredondo, one of my oldest friends and, and colleagues in Mexico, uh, who has helped me a lot in my career and, and is currently the CFO of Confio, the highest funded startup in Mexico. Um, Carlos has had a very illustrious career as part of Bank of America's emerging market sales team in New York, after which he moved to Mexico and we met each other and we helped scale Confio together by helping them raise their Series B, Series C, along with several debt facilities and an asset purchase program. Um, currently, Carlos is managing a, a cross-functional team of accountants, securitization specialists, and today he's going to help us understand what it is to be part of a high-growth startup, especially in the LATAM region, and understand what it is to be raising capital in equity and debt, and finally talk about the trends in the LATAM market, uh, given the impact of COVID. And we'll round up with some advice he may have for future founders or people who might want to become CFOs in the future. So without further ado, please welcome um, Carlos. Hey, Rithik, how are you? Hey, Carlos, how are you? Well, uh, great to have you on the podcast. Um, uh, thank you for taking time out to do this. Uh, I'm very excited to speak with you. And I hope that um, we, we can go about sharing some interesting experiences that you have. Um, so perhaps we can get right into it. Uh, you know, maybe you can walk us through um, your, your, this massive career change that you made uh, when you were back during your banking days and, and what made you come to Mexico and join like a 15 person startup called Confio at the upon a time uh, and talk us through what your journey has been like so far. Excellent. No, no. Happy to share. And, and, you know, you know a little bit about my background. Uh, um, I'm originally from Colombia. I, I, I moved to the States for my, my undergrad. And, and I, you know, given the situation in Colombia at that time, I had to start working very early. So I've, I've literally worked in banks for some reason. I remember the exact date since April 23, 1999. Wow. And so I spent a lot of my career working in banks, everything from starting as a teller to, you know, finishing my career in banks as a managing director, running the emerging market sales team for, for Latin America. And, you know, I, I can't complain. It was a very rewarding experience. I, I got to travel all over Latin America, helped, you know, banks and, and pension funds and insurance companies and, with their financial needs and, and pain points. And I also made a lot of friends, clients, employees. So it was a very rewarding opportunity, but it, it got to a time where I, I, I saw David, who's a personal friend and who we used to work together at, at Deutsche Bank, start Confio, seeing how companies were starting to try to figure out solutions for the pain points that consumers and small businesses have dealing with financial institutions. And I'm like, that this sounds great. We, mm -hmm. I think if you remember, we even spoke at that time because you yeah. were considering a change and, you yeah. know, I, I could have stayed 
in a very comfortable job, making, you know, good money. And I wasn't enjoying anymore what I was doing. I wasn't mm. coming to work and being like, yes, I'm, you know, having productive meetings. And I saw in Confio a great opportunity to solve something important in Latin America, a big mm -hmm. pain point that client have. And, and I took the risk and joined them in, in 2016. Amazing. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, and in that sense, we kind of share a lot. It, moving to Mexico was also a um, risk in that sense for me. And, and it was great that two people who were in a very similar situation met each other. At that point in time, we had, I think it was a team of 15 or, or maybe 20 people that we had. And um, I remember that within the finance team, it was just me and you. Uh, and we were given this, this massive task of like, okay, we need to get our company's uh, numbers towards a single source of truth while constantly speaking with investors and uh, at the same time managing cross-functional uh, reporting. And, and, you know, I also wanted to know from, from your perspective uh, how, how you felt that and, and you know, that was in 2016. Now that we are you know, four years later, uh, 2020, how you feel about it now? You know, it's funny that when, when you make such a move, um, you can't quantify the risk or, or try to get answers to all your questions. It, it takes literally a leap of faith of, you know, I believe in the strategy. I believe in, in the CEO and CTO, the co-founders. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, if you get the right people together, you can make it happen. I, if you know a little bit about my background, you know, I'm, I'm not the traditional CFO type. I'm mm -hmm. not the traditional accounting, uh, financial reporting, especially in a, you know, in a, in a SOFOM in Mexico, you know, provisioning and all the regulation regarded by the CMBB and Conducev. So it was, it was literally a, a reality check as soon as I joined Confio and I met you and we're like, okay, now we're here. Um, my dream was to try and sell Confio all over the region and help David expand Confio. And then I get to Confio and I'm like, okay, now we have this responsibility of building a finance team, get, get, giving structure to our financial group, accounting, compliance, legal. Um, but it was very exciting and rewarding. And, and mm -hmm. you know, you, you were a big part of it. Uh, hats off to David and Paco for entrusting the two guys who didn't know anything about Conducef and Safoms as being in charge of the company's reporting. Maybe you can walk us through a day in your shoes uh, as a CFO uh, these days uh, when, where Confio has become this behemoth. No, good question. And, 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 and a lot has changed. I think that what makes my role and, and, and working at an early stage company exciting, it's a, uh, it's, it's always evolving. It's always changing. And, you know, I, I think something I was looking for in my life is that you had a, a strong impact in the decision of where the company is going. And, mm -hmm. and in Confio with David, Paco, uh, and the rest of the team, you know, are my input and the input of the management team. You, you can see the results and, and, mm -hmm. and you can see how the company is changing and, and taking your ideas and, you know, either by, by what's the strategy is going to be or by the people that we're bringing to the company. So um, I think that what, what 
probably differentiated from a traditional CFO role is that, you know, yes, you do have to do the traditional like financial statements, auditing, mm -hmm. provisioning, and what a traditional CFO and finance team function will do. But the, you also get some of the more, you know, front office business, mm -hmm. exciting projects. So mm -hmm. uh, as you probably remember, you know, we, in the finance team, we also look at growth and how do we grow through strategic channels, through strategic partnerships. You know, mm -hmm. we, we also looked at the legal and compliance part, which was a, 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 a huge learning opportunity for me. So you, you get to support the CEO mm -hmm. and, and our CTO and the company, not only in the finance function, but also in, in growth areas. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, which channels should we grow? You, you, you get the opportunity, which I think it's quite interesting on giving an objective opinion about things. Yeah. Because in a, in, a, in a regular company, like the sales team wants to sell more, the product is trying to, you know, uh, they believe in a product strategy or a specific product and they want to make sure they position their product better. And then the finance team, you know, is trying to push for lower costs or better unit economics. So everybody has a different angle mm -hmm. and, and wearing, the, wearing the CFO hat, or coming from a finance function, it, it's interesting that you can help not only on the growth side, but you can give an objective opinion about different initiatives. So it's, it's that, that was also, and has been very rewarding. Very true. Yeah. yeah. That was very well said. Uh, and uh, in my very, very brief stint as a interim CFO, that was an amazing challenge to have uh, where, you know, one day you're required to wear like the legal hat and then the next day is completely different. And you're talking to uh, the, the partner at this massive venture capital firm where you have to sell, 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 sell. And I love that challenge. And I'm sure you have also grown and experienced a lot in this. Um, now, switching gears to one of the sort of more... I would say like exciting aspect of being CFO is capital raising. And as of now, uh, Confio is the highest funded fintech startup in Mexico. Um, I wanted to know from your perspective, um, you know, having joined at such an early stage, uh, how the process of, of capital raising has been for you. Um, the difference between things like equity and debt, uh, valuation, if you could just sort of walk us through like the, the ABCs in that sense of capital raising. And it's also a question that I tend to get from a lot of people when I talk about my experience at Confio is, you know, how did you do it? Uh, perhaps you could, you could explain a bit of that. I, I will divide the, the part of capital raising into, you know, the qualitative part mm -hmm. and the quantitative part. So on, on the qualitative part, um, I think that David and Paco did an amazing job. They're making an investment in you and you're making an investment in, in them. Yep. And, and choosing the right partner. And, you know, you have no idea how it's been so important in this COVID situation of mm -hmm. like partners that add value to the operation in different angles have, has been, you know, crucial for Confio and, and, I think David did it on the Series A and, and we continue doing it to this day in, in trying to diversify our equity uh, cap table and our debt uh, lenders 
in, in partners that are going to help us not only through rough time as COVID, but also in the value they bring to the organization, yep. either because they bring an expertise in, in the product side, um, in the finance side, mm-hmm. uh, because they have, for example, we have an investor that has a strong background in emerging markets, um, a country similar economies to Mexico. So that, that brings a, uh, an important value to configure and we can brainstorm ideas and, and learn about their experiences. So I think mm-hmm. that, you know, on the qualitative side, choosing the right partners and building a long-term relationship with them it has been crucial for Confio. We, we don't see capital raising as, okay, I'm going to do a deck. I'm going to pitch it to 10 guys and, mm-hmm. and, and see who's going to, who's going to invest. We, we see it as a long-term investing in keeping investors updated, trying to partner with investors where we see they can bring value to the organization, just mm-hmm. having an ongoing relationship with them. Even investors that were not part of the Series A and B, we probably kept them updated and they may join mm-hmm. on the Series C or D. Uh, so that on the qualitative part, on the on the quantitative part, I think it's both science and art. It's, mm-hmm. you know, equity. It's the, I, I saw it in one conference recently where when investors said that debt is the cheapest form of equity. So, you know, <laughs> you have to balance it out between, you know, how, how much equity do you really need for what you want to do and where do you want to go? If it's either, you know, extending runway or trying to reach a certain, you know, revenue goal mm-hmm. or open a new market, open a new channel, open a new product. So it's, it's not, you know, let's raise as much equity as at the highest valuation possible, uh, you know, that's, that's not how we operate or how, you know, in, in my view, how, how startups should, should mm-hmm. be funded. It, it's okay. What, what exactly are we trying to do and how do we optimize to give our investors, you know, the best return in terms of how much equity versus debt we should raise. Uh, it's obviously it's not ideal in some cases, you know, you may end up raising, you know, too much equity and then you you don't need enough debt, but mm-hmm. it takes you to, a, you know, the next step is stone or you could do less equity and raise more debt. Uh, um, so it depends on a case by case situation, but mm-hmm. I think it's a, a good balancing act to make sure that you achieve your specific roadmap goals in terms of funding or specific revenue or profitability targets. And and being honest with yourself in terms of unit economics. What's my real cost of capital? Perhaps you could explain how that process was when you raised the $100 million. It's like, why 100 And how did you guys end up deciding what was the right amount of uh, equity to give or what was the right valuation at that point of time? The way we see it or we approach it, you know, you, you come from a financial background in terms of like bid offer or how much people are mm-hmm. willing to pay for something, how much people are willing to sell. I think that that same theme works in startups. It's more of a gray market where there's no, it's not like a stock where you can see the bid offer price on screens and yeah. maybe a few bonds but, uh, or FX, but in, in the, it, it ends up being a, a, a formula about how much people are willing to pay for for a certain asset and how much value they see in it. And in terms of the management company or the, the equity uh, hold, uh, holders, how much dilution do they want to accept at what valuation? But I, I think 
uh, the way we try to approach it is more of a, okay, how do we come up with a plan that makes sense for the company together? Okay, okay. these are the goals that we want to achieve. This is where we want to take the company. And we think that with our product strategy, with the right team, you know, we want to get to this amount of revenue or this market share at X point in time. And together, mm -hmm. we're going to need, you know, X amount of people. We're going to need to invest in talent, product, uh, uh, and, you know, all of these initiatives. How much is that going to cost? Or how much money do we need to get there? How much runway do we need? Mm -hmm. And then trying to trying to do it in terms of like, what's the end point, and then work backwards from that. Got and it. and if with an investor and and the company, you know, there's there's you know an openness to work on scenarios that make sense, and you know versus you know, you could have a scenario where uh, an investor may say, you know, well, we want higher growth or we or we want or this return so we want to achieve certain goals and the company may not agree with it or the company may be more conservative and and there's a consensus as to you know where do we want to take this and 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 you come to an agreement of how much cash you're going to need or how much funding you're going to need and how much would that come from equity and then mm -hmm. that that trickles down to okay what is that going to represent in valuation and and you know there's multiples that you can look at in terms mm -hmm. of you know what are companies paying for more you know fintech players there's a few reports that are public there's a range of multiples around which is still a very you know gray area and especially in emerging markets and and i believe that david has managed it very well in terms of like we all want to win here yep we want, we want clients to win with a great product we want investors to make a great return and, and we mm -hmm. want the company to do well. So it's not, okay, let the company make the highest return and then investors are gonna get screwed and, and the end client you know, may not have a good company for a long of time. So I, I think David has done a great job and, and Confio at how do we balance this to make sure that we all win. And what normally happens after you race? You know, a lot of people, believe that oh once i get the term sheet once i get the cash oh it's all going to be smooth sailing from there but in reality that's when the real work starts so you know maybe you could walk us through well, what are the challenges that happen once you race that's also been a, a great learning curve and and i'm sure you remember like on our on our first days <laughs> you know we, we were busy building financial models to see how we can run the company better and help all the different teams. Yep. As we expand and you get investors, you know, you, you institutionalize your work and you, you wear two hats now. How do yep. we continue to help the company grow, institutionalize, you know, processes, procedures, you know, uh, unit economics and the different teams and recruiting and everything else. And also how do we institutionalize our investor reporting, our board mm -hmm. decks, Mm -hmm. All right. You know, you remember the fire drills of, you know, how do we yeah. get all of this ready on a quarterly basis? And, you know, we, we always like to keep, at least in Confio, a very proactive mm -hmm. approach in our investor reporting, both on the equity and debt side. So we, we're strong believers in over communicating, you know, in good times, in bad times, you know, you want to keep them informed what's going on. 
and and you know board meetings are you know uh, are a great opportunity to get even more insights from all these investors who have similar companies all over the world uh, but as you said you know once you close that's where when the real work starts and and mm-hmm. I, I, david mentioned something or or, or um, gregorio and our team that um, once you close your rounds then you have to prove your valuations Correct. so it's not like okay you know let's i always found that interesting when people celebrate the rounds when <laughs> uh, yes you raised uh, x amount of money at whatever valuation but the tough part is making it happen executing okay. now moving on to the other aspect of the the cfo job you know that that's also very interesting is reaching profitability how important is profitability in this current covid climate the whole covid situation you know it's it's a it's a wake up call for early stage companies even mature you know uh, mm-hmm. companies that profitability and unit economics are extremely important so i hope a lot of startups are going to make it from this crisis uh, a lot are going to suffer um, and i think it's a good reality check for all companies to ask themselves like what are my unit economics what's my roadmap to profitability and and you may choose proactively to delay that because maybe you're launching a new product you're coming into a new market but you know if your existing channels or products are profitable you may take the risk to to invest in some other initiatives but you know i i think that profitability and and solid unit economics mm-hmm. are now more than ever uh, extremely important for for startups uh, not only on how they manage their business but also i'm sure on how investors you know look at businesses you know i i think that the world where you know you can grow at all costs and think that funding mm-hmm. is going to be limited or you know are gone and and you know at, at least in confio we're extremely focused on you know profitability a uh, solid unit economics granular detail of mm-hmm. you know all of our products how how do we you know that's the value that finance teams have to bring to the table how do we help yep. each team get a deeper understanding on their unit economics on on projections actual versus forecasted how mm-hmm. they're looking where they're going um so i think this is a wake up call for our, all startups to be more more conscious about profitability yeah couldn't couldn't have uh, said it better myself which also leads me to my next question given the economical or the macroeconomical impact of covid what sort of trends are you seeing uh, in in the growth of credit in a traditionally credit averse society like mexico where nobody wants to have a credit card because several financial crises that have struck the country before how do you see the appetite of small medium enterprises uh, changing in the future and and how do you think or how is confio adapting to that Well, I think that you know this brings uh, a huge opportunity for you know all the startups that are trying to digitalize different parts of the economy. You know, we we see this as a amazing opportunity for us to to gain market share, to close strategic partnerships, uh, 
you know, the, the world changed, you know, people definitely don't want to go to a bank with X amount of people sitting right next to you with all of yeah. this COVID situation. If you can, you know, if you can, you can buy groceries online, if you can watch movies online, you know, you're going to do your financial services online and, and, you know, this, this accelerated a lot of the digitalization of different services. I'm sure like Rappi, Uber, Justo, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of players are, are probably doing very well uh, on, on most of their digitalization businesses. And, and we see this as a huge opportunity to, to get closer to clients. You know, okay. uh, we, we want to be there for them when things are going well, and we want to be there for them when they're having a rough time. And, and mm-hmm. we're a data-driven company, and as you know it, and we can get real-time information on how businesses are doing. And, and if we can help them and build trust with them, mm-hmm. we think we're making an investment in the future of that relationship, and, and that client will, will stay with us, will grow with us. So, you know, we had a few initiatives that we wanted to grow and 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 this situation helped us accelerate our deployment of a small business tool called Compass. We're also yep. doing more, you know, technology services to large corporates and financial institutions that need help digitalizing their services for SMEs. So I think this is a it's a great opportunity for startups to disrupt different markets. It's also a difficult opportunity to fundraise a, a but if you have if you have a good business idea, strong unit economics, you understand your clients and market well, you know you're gonna do well. Like uh, the largest companies in the world started when in the middle of a crisis, so we yep. we're trying to expand our business and grow in this crisis. So it's gonna be interesting the next at least twelve months of how how the market develops. Absolutely. And um, before we wrap up. Um, I just wanted to ask if there's any other parting thoughts or any other advice you wanted to give aspiring founders or people who want to become CFOs like you, uh, what would you, what would you tell them? You know, if there was something you could have done differently, you know, anything you want to share that could help somebody avoid any mistakes or, or give them more inspiration. Uh, well, uh, Good question. I, I <laughs> you know, I, I think that um, it's not an easy change to go from like a large corporate job or a traditional job to a startup. And, you know, it may sound sexy and exciting, but it's definitely, you know, a lot of work and, and you really have to have passion and love what you're doing, you know, because it's, it's a long-term investment and then, you know, you're going to, you may get a, financial reward in the future, but you you really have to do it because you really believe in the mission and the vision of your company. And, and that's what we're, we, we do at Confidium. We really believe in what we're doing and, and, and really trying to help SMEs and, and looking at their specific cases. It's like you, you have to really fall in love and be passionate about what your business mm-hmm. is doing. And, and especially with all this COVID situation, you know, a, a few ideas, are, you know, staying humble, being, being, you know, objective and realistic of, you know, what are the unit economics of your business? How, how, how do the numbers look? What, what exactly do you need to do? What are you going to invest on? What, you know, are, how much runway are you going to need? Be, be really objective and, 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 and raw about your situation, your numbers and seek advice from people that, 
you know, there, there's a big ecosystem of startups. So people that want to help of investors that are extremely smart. Uh, you know, one of the most rewarding things in Confio is, you know, being in a board meeting and, and learning, you know, about the, all the stories and companies that are shareholders and markets that they work on and, and sharing ideas with very smart people and that have a lot of experience. Uh, so stay humble, seek advice, mm -hmm. stay hungry and, and <laughs> get really good talent. I, yep. I, you know, at least in my case, I, in the finance team of Confio, I, I've been able to build a, a really strong finance team and, you know, the, these guys make a huge difference in, in the company and they help my job be easier and then I can mm -hmm. move on to do other things and I'm not as good as Ritik doing comedy <laughs> shows so I have to figure out how to do better uh, but, but that would be it. Got it. Well, thank you so much again, Carlos, for taking time out. This was so much fun and to all the listeners, please feel free to reach out to him. He's extremely friendly and thank you so much for listening into our first ever episode and I'm really excited to do this on a weekly basis and uh, this has been lifetime value. Thank you so much, everybody.